we are studying putting on the full armor of God. We've learned to be like the men of Issachar, who did not just understand their times economically or politically or even medically, but they understood their times spiritually. And you and I have to look around in this world that we're living in today and understand the times spiritually. We are living in a day when darkness reigns, as Jesus would say in Luke 22, verse 53. This is a season when pestilence stalks. Psalms 91, verse 6. Pestilence only stalks in the darkness. It, it doesn't start stalk in revival. Pestilence stalks in the darkness. These are days that Paul writes to the church of Ephesus about in Ephesians 6, 13. He said, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Now, that's a fascinating thought. When you begin to look at Ephesians chapter 5 and Ephesians chapter 6, as Paul preparing the churches of Asia, because Ephesus would be the lead church, all the other churches of Asia, what we call the seven churches of Asia in the book of Revelation, all of them had flowed from Ephesus. Ephesus had been the mother church that had seen all those other churches planted. Ephesus was moving from a state of revival. The Acts 19 revival may be one of the greatest recorded revivals in biblical or non-biblical history where an entire section of the world, what was then called Asia, every Jew and every Greek heard the gospel in a two-year period of time. That is in two years. See, it doesn't take long when the people of God catch the fire of revival to bring evangelism. But now Paul begins to recognize the seasons, the spiritual seasons are changing. And Satan, the god of this world, has moved his throne at some point in this time to the city of Pergamum. We see the story of that in Revelation 2 and 3. And we really, we see the end of this change of, of, of spiritual seasons as we look at the outcome 30 years later in Revelation 2 and 3. Some of these churches had done very well. Some of these churches had not done very well. The church of Ephesus lost its first love. Even though Paul warned them, grace to you who love the Lord your God with an undying love. Now, each one of us at some point or another in our life has got to face the fact that spiritual seasons do change. Persecution really began to enter into the, the area of Asia. You see intense persecution, not just in Pergamum, but in the other cities. You see an outpouring of false doctrines, an outpouring of false prophets. Some of the churches did well. Some of the churches did not do well. But Paul had warned the church in Ephesus. You're going to have to put on the full armor of God if you're going to stand. So let's begin to look at Ephesians 6, beginning with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, not just a piece of it. If this is going to work, you've got to put on all of it. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. So um, there was a present darkness beginning to sweep over Ephesus. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. 
To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, as we've gone through the beginning of this, we said there are three reasons that we are to put on the whole armor of God. One, so that we look like God on the battlefield. We're wearing the Father's armor, and we went through all that in detail. Secondly, that we may be able to stand our ground against Satan's well-logically laid-out deceptions that flow from Diablo the slanderer. And thirdly, that we may stand victorious in the field of battle. Now, I want to pick up from there and start on that first piece of the armor. Now, it looks like the most insignificant piece, but in actuality, it is incredibly significant. The belt of truth. Ephesians 6, verse 14. Stand therefore having fastened. The Greek word therefore fastened means to, to gird up or to tighten up and to prepare for strenuous activity or battle. So they would literally tighten this belt before they went to battle. Now, let's understand what this belt is. And please understand, with each of these word pictures that Paul is giving us, these illustrations, this belt of truth, to them, he did not have to elaborate because the concept, the belt of truth, immediately exploded in their hearts and minds in a tremendous volume of truth. Halingboa, if you and I were to go to London and we were to sit in a service together and you heard me preaching and I would say, folks, next Saturday we need to have a Bayanihan day. We've got a lot of things that need to be done. We need to buy a Nihin day. Now, in your mind, you would immediately comprehend this is part fiesta, part boodle fight, part everybody working together and having fun while we do a big project. This whole concept of a Bayanian would explode within your mind. But those people who had grown up in London would listen and go, Bayanian, buy who? Buy, what is he going to buy? They would be completely clueless. Now, in the same way, when Paul uses these word pictures, these people had lived around Roman soldiers for generations now. These people, they, they, everything that we're talking about here, they completely understood. Now, let me show you a few pictures of what they would see in their mind. First of all, let me show you a picture of two Roman soldiers in fairly classic uniforms, uh, though sometimes the breastplate here that you're now seeing uh, this one is made out of metal, but other times it was made out of a, a molded heavy leather. Not a soft leather, but a very molded heavy leather. And the breastplate there was to stop uh, spears, daggers, uh, javelins, arrows, knives. That, that was to protect your vital organs. But you see right there across the bottom of it, those little pieces coming down. That's the beginning of the belt of truth. Now, let me show you a literal belt of the Roman soldiers would wear. This second picture now shows you that this is not a skinny little belt like you and I would use to keep our pants up. This is a belt that is wrapped around you. It protects your loins, but it also notice it's a very thick piece of leather. Now that thick piece of leather is because many things were hung on it. Your, uh, in fact, let me just go ahead and begin to teach you about this. There, there were several things that were hung upon it. Number one, you would hang your sword. Your sword was wrapped around it. Number two, your food packages are almost like a little mini pack was attached to the side of it. But for our study today, what I want you to see is, first of all, do you see, go back to the first picture now. Do you see that long tunic that the soldiers are wearing? 
We would call that a Superman cape, diba? Well, that long tunic is going to get you in a lot of trouble in the middle of a battle. People are going to pull on it. You're going to get tangled in it. Your swords are going to get tangled in it. Your spears are going to get tangled in it. So what they would do is they would take that tunic and kind of flip it up a little bit and tuck it inside their belt before they tightened it. Secondly, as they tightened it, they would be tightening down their sword. A soldier who has a loose belt and loses his sword in the middle of a battle is a dead man. Okay, so it carries your sword, it takes care of the tunic, it keeps you from getting all tripped up in that, but it, but it does one other thing. That breastplate, it holds it in place. See, that breastplate that protects you from being stabbed with a sword or a knife or a javelin or a spear, if that breastplate is flopping around because you're swinging your arms, then all of your vital organs are exposed. So one of the things that they did was they they tucked that breastplate and it would be held in place by the belt of truth, keeping you safe. Now, this is the image that these people saw in mind. But then Paul uses a Greek word. He said, let me tell you what the belt really is. It is the belt of truth. Now, the Greek word there for truth does not mean true as opposed to false. It's the Greek word aletheia, A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. It literally means reality as opposed to unreality. It means sincerity. It means integrity. You know how the young people like to say, you know, you just get real, okay? That's what literally it's saying. In this season that we are now living in, you're going to have to learn to get real, okay? You're going to have to learn to tighten reality in your life. You're going to have to learn to tighten sincerity in your life. You have to learn to tighten integrity in your life. These things need to be something that you really look after and you really tighten down in your life. Now, let's take these one by one. First of all, the belt of Alathenia, of Alathelia, literally would refer to sincerity. If you are going to stand your ground in a season against Satan's schemes, his logical presentation of deception that flows from Diablo or the slanderer, if you are going to stand in this season of logically presented deception that flows from the slanderer, you're going to have to actually be the exact opposite. You're going to have to be a person of sincerity. Now listen to Paul's words. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we have behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity. Paul said, you know what? I haven't been like these super apostles. I haven't been like these guys running around trying to draw attention to myself. I've behaved in this world with simplicity and godly sincerity. He said, you may not agree with everything I say, but you know I'm sincere. Now, sincerity, oversimplifying a little bit, but sincerity would be doing the right things for the right reasons. You know, there are many Christians that do the right thing for the wrong reason. They do the right thing for their own agenda. They're doing the right thing, but it's not it's not for the right motivation. It's not sincere. To pass the sincerity test, it has to be the right, doing the right thing and doing it for the right reason. And Paul said, I have behaved in this world with simplicity and godly sincerity. He continues, 2 Corinthians 2.17, for we are not like so many. In other words, there's a lot of these preachers that are running around, Paul said. I'm not like so many, and there's a lot of them. Peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. He said, you know, there's a lot of preachers out there that are just doing this for money. Paul said, I don't preach for money. 
Paul said, I'm not preaching to make a living. He said, I'm not peddling the word of God. He said, I'm not charging you to come and hear me speak. I'm not charging you for a conference. I'm not charging you for, for, for having a, a set of seminars. I'm not charging you to water baptize you. He said, I'm not peddling the word of God. Now, I, I know that in this modern world where you're used to paying, all right, we're going to go pay to hear this Christian concert. Why? Excuse me, we don't peddle the word of God. Well, I'm going to pay for this seminar. Why? Now, now, people mock us at COP because everything is free at COP. You're right. Everything is. I mean, we, we honor the Lord with his tithe and we sow our seed, but we don't charge people for anything. We don't charge people to visit them. We don't charge people for a seminar. Paul said, listen, you've got to, it's not enough just to do the right thing. Preaching is the right thing. Teaching the word of God is the right thing. It has to be with sincerity. It has to be for the right motivation. Paul said, I'm doing this because I'm commissioned by God. He said, I'm speaking in Christ. Colossians 3, verse 22. For those of you who work for employers, if I can translate it that way, employees, obey in everything those who are your employers or department heads or supervisors. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers. Now notice, people who just perform when somebody's watching is a people pleaser. Now, see, we always think people pleasers deal with um, words. No, people pleasers, people pleasers deal with performance. You see people put on a performance. That is a people pleaser. That is a manipulator. They're doing it for eye service. They're doing it for people to see with their eyes. He said, now, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. He said, now, listen, you want to keep your job in these hard times? There's going to be a lot of people in your company that are doing things for eye service, and they think the bosses don't realize it. But you know what? They're not going to have jobs. Tighten up this thing of sincerity. You're doing the right thing for the right reason. It's the, for me to show up on time and do my work. It's not just because the boss is watching. I'm doing it for the right motivation. 1 Timothy 1, verse 19, Paul said, Now, Timothy, there are these preachers holding faith in a good conscience, but by rejecting them, some have made shipwreck of their faith. There are some preachers who reject this concept of sincerity, a good conscience. Now, in this world that we're living in right now, brothers and sisters, please, in this world that we're living in, with all of this deception taking place and all of this slander taking place, all of this fear taking place, you and I are going to have to learn sincerity has to be a big part of who we are. We do the right thing for the right reasons. Secondly, the belt of truth, the belt of aletheia, the belt of reality, also holds the sword of the Spirit, which is also called the truth. Ephesians 1, verse 13, In him you also, when you heard the, the word of aletheia, the word of truth, the word of reality, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, rightly handing the word of aletheia, the word of reality. James chapter 1, verse 18, of his own he will brought us forth by the word of aletheia, the word of reality. The word of God has to be something that's real, that what you say about the Bible is real. Now, people can manipulate scriptures to, to accomplish any agenda that they want. People can manipulate scriptures to, to justify any kind of a decision they want. I've, I've listened to many of it in my life. But I want you to remember that in the field of battle, I'm sorry, manipulated scriptures don't work. 
in the field of battle, on the field of the battle of temptation, on that battlefield of temptation, the only thing that works is truth, is reality. Think with me. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Think with me. The temptation of Jesus. As Jesus stood facing Satan on the battlefield of temptation, what did Satan do? Satan quoted Jesus the Bible. Forgive me, brothers and sisters, but Satan knows the Bible better than you and I do. He's been studying it longer. He knows how to manipulate it and twist it. So he quotes Jesus the scripture. And what does Jesus do? Oh, gee, I'd never thought about that. No, Jesus said, excuse me, it is written. Each time Satan came, Jesus came back. It is written. See, Jesus did not quote, forgive me, Facebook slogans. Christianity, oh, sometimes it scares me that the only thing young people know about the Bible is the Facebook slogans that they've read. You, you can't face Satan. You can't face temptation in this, this season of darkness with, with Facebook slogans. You've got to know what the Word says. You've got to know the reality of the Word. And, and you know, some of you young men who like to study theology, forgive me. You can't stand before Satan and say, well, you know, I studied this scholar. Forgive me. Your theology books are a piece of toilet paper in the, in the battle of temptation. Your Facebook slogans, though, is they sound good and they make us feel real good. They're, they're just toilet paper in the field of the battle of temptation. You and I have got to recognize that we must know what the Word says and know the reality of what the Word says, not, not trying to make it proof text, some little thing that we want to say, but we know the reality. We've studied it from cover to cover, and we're not trying to justify ourselves. We're just, we've yielded ourselves to the Word of God. I mean, even Satan comes along and quotes Jesus, Psalms 91, there in Matthew 4. Oh, he'll give his angels charge concerning you. Well, you know what? Jesus didn't fall for that game. Yeah, he said, also, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus understood the reality of the word. He, he didn't just play games with the word and try to be all super spiritual with the word. He understood the reality of the word. Now, thirdly, truth deals with the Holy Spirit. First John chapter 4, verse 6. By this we shall know the spirit of truth, Jesus said, aletheia, the spirit of reality. John 16, verse 13, when the spirit of aletheia, truth, comes. John 15, verse 26, when the helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father. The spirit of truth, the spirit of reality who proceeds from the Father. In this day of deception and slander, in this season of darkness, you cannot expect to stand if you're living in unreal encounters of the Holy Spirit, emotionalistic nonsense that doesn't change anybody. You know, I had an old college professor named Dr. Opal Redden, and she was, she was a very clever lady. And she illustrated it perfectly. She said, you know, you can take some Tide and put it in a, in a bowl, and it has a certain amount of cleaning ability. He said, and you, she said, and then you can take a, you know, a blender, and, and stick it in the middle of that bowl and make the make the suds this big, but it doesn't have any more cleaning power. You just made it big and emotional. Now, brothers and sisters, I know that there are emotions that come with the moving of the Holy Spirit. 
There's the fullness of joy. I mean, oh, it's beautiful. There's peace. I mean, there's beautiful emotions. God created us with emotions. And there are beautiful emotions that flow with the moving of the Holy Spirit. But there are people today that have taken the spirit of reality and they've made it the spirit of silliness. And it's just silly, goofy manipulation. It's using music to manipulate emotions. It's it's using scents that they put in the air conditioning duct to manipulate emotions. It's using lights and smells and, and music and emotions to manipulate. And you know what? It doesn't bring change in anybody's life. You've always heard me say, even during the revival days back in the mid-90s, you heard me say many, many, many times, a common theme. If you ever take the fake you'll never get the genuine. If you will accept the unreal, you will never get the real. I, I, You know, sometimes people would tell me back in the early days, Pastor Sumrall, uh, when do I fall down? I said, what do you mean? When do you fall down? Well, everybody else is falling down. When do I decide to fall down? What is this, Tumba Tumba? I mean, we, we don't just fall down. I said, if, if you are overcome by the presence of God and the glory, the weight of the glory has come upon your life, it's not something you think about. You just, you're on the floor and you don't, you're not thinking about when should I get up and you're not thinking about when should I fall down and you're not thinking about, gee, is there anybody back here to catch me? If that's not real. That, that's just goofiness. Now, brothers and sisters, it's time to tighten the belt of reality. Real knowledge of the Word of God, real encounters with the Holy Spirit. But there's one more thing. The belt of truth not only means a life of sincerity, it not only means a life of a real knowledge of the Word of God and and living what the Bible really says, not just little silly things, and real encounters with the Holy Ghost, not just emotionalistic nonsense. It also has the concept of integrity. In fact, that's one of the ways it's translated. The spirit of integrity, the spirit of reality, the spirit of sincerity. Now, think about integrity with me for a moment. The belt of truth holds the breastplate in place. This is protection. We'll get more into that in another study. But This is protection, but just understand protection. Now, add these verses. Psalms 25, verse 21. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Wow. So integrity will preserve me. Proverbs 10, verse 9. He who walks in integrity walks securely. Ah. You're not worried about somebody catching you in a lie. Psalms 41, verse 12. But you have upheld me because of my integrity. Proverbs 2, verse 7. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity. God brings protection to our lives because of integrity. Proverbs 11, verse 3. The integrity of the upright guides them. People say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. My friend wants me to do this, but I know it's not right, but he's my friend. I said, you know what? You have to let integrity guide you. Integrity will teach you what to do. Integrity will show you what needs to be done. You're going to find that there's a lot of decisions in life that are already made. If you're going to walk in integrity, the decision's already made. There, there's no decision to make. There's not 15 choices. There's, there's one choice. And integrity will make that choice for you. So you need to tighten up the integrity thing. That whatever you say, you mean. And that you can back it up. 
You, you don't just walk around shooting your mouth off. You can back up what you say. Now, when you learn to walk, tighten up this belt of integrity, you're going to find that Satan is not going to be able to hurt you. Now, now, please, beloved, listen to me for a minute. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Okay, you know that passage. But notice, he's not the accuser of his own children. He's accuser of the brethren. Hmm. The people of God. You see, Satan's children can lie, they can steal, they can be corrupt. And you know what? Satan will never, Satan will never bring it to light. But you let one of the brethren steal some money at the office. You let one of the brethren do something wrong. I got news for you. Satan is going to be all over you with accusations. He is going to, because he wants to destroy the reputation of God. He wants to destroy the reputation of God's family. So you've got to understand, in this season, with logical presentations of deception from the slanderer, you've got to tighten that belt of integrity in Jesus' name. Now, one last verse. Proverbs 28, verse 18. Whoever walks in integrity will be delivered. That's his promise. In the field of battle, you will be delivered. But he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. You know how we like that word suddenly? We love that the Holy Spirit falls suddenly. Well, you know what? People fall into destruction and failure suddenly. You see them just walking along and everything looks all right. And you look back and go, boy, what happened to them? He who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. And you're going to sit there and look at it and go, how did that happen? They didn't tighten the belt of integrity. Now, as you begin to see, each one of these pieces of armor is very practical and be very livable. We've learned today, before we walk into battle, we tuck our cloak in and we keep ourselves from getting entangled. That's a whole other sermon we'll get into later. We tighten that belt of sincerity. We tighten that belt of a real understanding of the Holy Spirit and of the Word, and we tighten that belt of integrity, and we walk into the field of battle prepared to face the schemes of Diablo, the logical presentation of deception of the slanderer. Let me pray for you today. Father, as we walk into another week, we're so looking forward to this thing being lifted, and we can see each other face to face. Father, we just ask that you bring healing to our nation. Father, the economy is a mess. Food supply is a mess. Father, everything's a mess. But God, you are a God of order. And you are a God who is the stability of our times. Bring stability first into every soul, with no fear holding them back, and no fear making everything mogulo. And Father, then bring stability into every family. Bring stability into every company that one of your sons and daughters owns across this nation. Let there just be a stability in that company that people don't even know how it stays stable, but it just stabilizes. And Father, we pray for all the frontliners, Lord, that your hand, your gracious right hand, would rest upon them and keep them safe and keep them secure. For all of our families, Lord, that are just struggling to get by and they're just selling food and working, Lord, let the favor of God rest upon them. 
let their sails be completely sold out every single night, and food on the table and an abundance left over for every good work, every bill paid. We thank you for it, Father, that every family shall end this thing stronger than when it began. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. sharp for morning devotions.